This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. So as far as Beatty and Vientos is concerned, because we've talked a lot about this and how Vientos has the natural edge in just being the right-handed DH. The other option, and we've mentioned it passingly, but I'm starting to warm up to the idea, is Beatty's the third baseman. Period. Like, he'll face lefties, he'll face righties, and you just throw him in the mix. So that opening series against Miami... He's the third baseman against Jesus Lazardo. He is your third baseman. And Eduardo Escobar would be the right-handed DH. You know, we saw his splits last year. We saw how much better he was as a right-hand hitter. So Escobar isn't completely buried by any stretch. He's just the right-handed DH. Daniel Vogelbach against right. And Vogelbach's had a bad camp. I'm not panicking about Vogelbach. We'll get, look, he has a bad April. We'll talk. For now, I'm okay. That's his job. He's going to mash right-handed pitching. At least that's the hope in theory. So one option is you just say to Brett Beatty, you're the guy. You know, we, you're the top third base prospect in baseball. You're going to face lefties. You're going to face righties. Let's go. And essentially, Eduardo Escobar becomes the right-handed DH. The other option, as we have talked about, is Vientos is the right-handed DH. And that would mean Brett Beatty starts the year at AAA. Given those options, and then you've got the LaCastro option, which is great for versatility and great for speed off the bench. I don't know who makes, who's the right-handed DH at that point. I guess you could go Tommy Pham. You could go Escobar and just spruce up your defense and play Guillerme at third base. You could do that. You could say, you know what? F it. We're just going to improve our defense against left-handed pitching. Escobar slides over. He's the DH, and we have better defense because Luis Guillerme is our third baseman. Right now, week to go. We've seen the performances. Obviously, it doesn't include Darren Ruff. You want him out. Who takes that last spot? LeCastro, Beatty, or Vientos? Uh, um, it's so tough. I think that Beatty deser- deserves it, though. I do. And I like that idea of Escobar just going to the right-handed DH right there. Because let's be serious. I've been watching Escobar on the field. He don't look too great from third base. His arm is kind of weak. So, it's. It, I mean, if we're talking about defensive-wise, between Beatty and Escobar, they're both a crapshoot. Um, so, I think Beatty deserves it. I, I would say that. And then if you really want, like you said, you have Guillermo to spell Beatty for the uh, left-handed um Left-handed pitchers, you can play defense. You know, I, I don't know, but but I think Beatty deserves a shot. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very mixed about this. I I hate to go back to the same thing because it pisses me off. I just wish that the Mets would break the mold and have five guys off the bench. I think you lose a lot of flexibility in regards to this when you're stuck with only four bench pieces. I don't like it. I, I don't like it at all. And you could do well, it. Who's going to be? 
Go ahead. Who's going to be the bullpen? Who's the bullpen? Like, well, that's the other thing too. Like, we got to think about the bullpen. So, like, I mean, it's not it's not cut, cut and dry right yeah, now. Yeah, I, I think where we are with this bullpen right now is I think there are two guys that have kind of created distance between them and everybody else. Now, this also doesn't. We don't know if Brooks Raleigh is going to be ready and is coming off of the injured or not going to start the year on the injured list. But right now, here's the way I would view it: You've got your six starters, though you can play games with those guys in terms of when you want to put them on the roster. You've got Adam Ottavino, you've got David Robertson, you've got Drew Smith, and if Raleigh is healthy, you got Brooks Raleigh. That's four guys. That leaves you with three to four guys left to fill out those spots. I think that John Curtis has absolutely won a job. John Curtis has had a great spring training. He's a guy the Mets rehabbed a year ago from Tommy John. So I would throw John Curtis into spot number five. I think Steven Nagosik is going to make the team too. The out of options thing is going to help him. Uh, So I think he makes the team. The other guy non-roster is Tommy Hunter. Tommy Hunter's pitched well. We know Buck loves him. I think Tommy Hunter makes the team. The last guy I'm curious about is Dennis Santana. And I bring him up because the Mets just claimed him off waivers. He's out of options. So if he doesn't make the team, the Mets are going to put him back on waivers. They're going to hope nobody claims him, and then they're going to send him down to AAA. I think he's got a shot right now. So the bullpen thing, at Jeff Brigham too, I don't want to ignore him, but the guys I feel comfortable about right now, and I'll rank them in order of comfort, would be John Curtis, would be Tommy Hunter. I'd put Hunter a little bit ahead of Nagosik, and I'd go Steven Nagosik. I think those three guys fill out this bullpen along with Ottavino, Robertson, Raleigh, if he's healthy, and Drew Smith. That's where I think we're at with this bullpen in this moment. And look, a trade could happen. Maybe they'll dump Darren Ruff and they'll get some reliever back. I don't know. And and that means that they, I guess I'm assuming they didn't like what they saw with Britain. I don't know. I, it's, it's a good point. I don't know what's going on with Zach Britton. You know, he hasn't signed with anybody. So until he signs with somebody, I can't rule him out with the Mets. And obviously, we didn't see him throw. In theory, I like Zach Britton. I do. Another year removed from Tommy John surgery. Another lefty to add to this bullpen. A guy who's done it before. A guy who's closed games before. Uh, a guy Balk obviously has great experience with. I'm not going to make the same joke everyone else makes. Hopefully, he'll use him in a big spot. <laughs> we all know. We know the deal. <laughs> we know what happened. I would not be surprised if there's also a deal coming. And by deal, I don't mean the Mets are trading for some top reliever. I don't mean they're trading for uh, Bednar or they're trading for, you know, Devin Williams or they're trading for Alexis Diaz. I just mean adding another arm. You know, there are roster crunches all around baseball. We're not the only team trying to figure out who should make a team and guys who are out of options, but what do you do with them? So I think there could be a match with a reliever we're not thinking about. That's out of options. I think that's absolutely on the table as we get closer to opening day. I'm damn excited. Now, one last thing. We've talked uh, about Darren Ruff and how bad he's been in spring training. I would like to take this time to honor some of the best spring training performances we have ever seen as Met fans that turned out to mean absolutely nothing. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best 
stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. That's right. Some of the great spring training performances that turned into hot garbage because the guy sucked once the season started. Let's start with last year. Why don't we go to 2022? What have I told you? There was a guy in a very short sample size. It was a short spring training that hit 423 with two home runs, six RBIs, and an OPS of 1,377. There's only 26 at-bats. That guy who ravaged spring training a year ago was poised to have a breakout year, would start the year with the Mets, and would end the year in AAA. We are talking about Dominic Smith. That's right. Tom had a huge camp in 2022. Why don't we go back to 2021? There was a guy with 370 in 54 at-bats, had 14 RBIs, had an OPS of 1,063. By the end of this season, this man was giving the thumbs down to Met fans. We're talking about the 2021 version of Francisco Lindor. Huge spring training, crappy season. But why stop there? Remember 2019? Mets made a big trade. You may have remembered it. They made what is now being referred to as the Edwin Diaz trade. But the other guy that got in the trade was a fellow by the name of Robinson Cano. Well, Robinson Cano, in 2019 spring training, hit 441. 441! He had an OPS of 1,086 in 59 at-bats. Robinson Cano, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Robbie, you piece of crap. How about this one? How about that? This is amazing to me. I'm about to give you three examples, Pete, all from the same year. Oh, what a spring training. In 2015, obviously the Mets ended up having a very good year that year. They won the National League pennant. The three names I'm about to mention, though, did not contribute. Let's start with a guy you probably forgot existed. He was a catcher. In 50 at-bats, hit 340 with four home runs, nine RBIs, and a 1,000 OPS. Does anyone out there remember the great Johnny Manel? Well, yeah, he had a big spring training. How about this guy? This guy had a really good spring training. He had six home runs in spring training, which is an absurd number. He did that in 60 at-bats. He had an OPS near 1,000. Remember the big free agent signing of 2014 into 2015? Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Kadir. But here's my favorite. What I'll never forget about this guy was this guy hit 415 
in 53 at-bats with four home runs, 10 RBIs, and a 1,154 OPS. I best remember this guy for hitting cleanup. You may have to fact check me on this one. Hitting cleanup against Clayton Kershaw in the middle of July. And we all said we've hit rock bottom when this guy's hitting cleanup. That guy, of course, John Mayberry. So in 2015, the New York Mets had John Mayberry, Michael Kadire, and Johnny Manel have huge spring trainings. And it meant nothing. But let's not forget the king of all spring trainings. And I apologize. I could not find his stats because it was a long time ago. And maybe they just weren't as uh, good in keeping stats. But Butch Husky was the king of spring training. And he had a fine med career, but never turned out to be that great. Now, with that said, can I give you two honorable mentions? Two guys who had crappy spring trainings and then had really good years. Let's go back to 2014. This guy hit 185 with two home runs. He then responded by hitting 30 home runs, driving in 92 runs with an 830 OPS. Who could forget? Lucas Duda. That was the year I think him and Ike Davis were competing for the first base job. And Lucas Duda sucked, but ended up having a really good year. The other guy had a really good season in 2021. Um, no, you know what? I screwed that up. I don't think he had a good season in 2021. He had a good season in 2019. My bad. I was going to give you an example of J.D. Davis having a bad spring training, but his big year for us was 2019. I was thinking about 2021, so take that one out. So really the only bad spring training that turned into a great year I could think of was Lucas Duda. <laughs> I got no other examples. Sorry. Mike Davis never had a nice spring training and then had Valley Fever a few months later and then uh, basically fell off the face oh, of the earth. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. Well, I, I, th- I thought I gave you enough examples of guys having big spring <laughs> trainings and sucking that I wanted to stop. You know, so if Brett Bainey makes the team and it's 225, just remember, having a big spring training means absolutely nothing. And that is the truth, good and bad. A bad spring training, a good spring training, It really doesn't mean anything. The reason we make a big deal with certain guys, I think, is when they're continuations of what they did the previous year. So I think a part of why we've really beaten up Darren Roth and, you know, Yankee fans up until recently were really beating up Josh Donaldson was because they had bad years last year. So they were more kind of continuing their badness this year. But for the most part, good spring trainings, bad spring trainings, they just don't mean that much. That's the reality. Uh, We got a lot coming up next couple of days on the Rico, our very special realignment, radical realignment edition of Rico. That'll be a bonus episode. We will post Friday night. We also have our Yankees versus Mets bets edition of Rico Bronia, our season predictions, our Met predictions, uh, analyzing the final roster once it's announced. And we will try to give you some kind of instant reaction to opening day, which is a, I mean, it's a week away, which is freaking crazy. So we got a lot of Ricos coming up as we march towards opening day. You can email the pod anytime, the RicoB at gmail.com. And obviously check me and Pete out on the fan. I'm on a two with Craig. Pete, obviously, at 10 a.m. producing for Tiki and Tierney. Thank you for listening, downloading, reviewing, doing whatever you do with Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.